What's up, Ortandians? This is your girl, Ortandia, and you are tuning in to your favorite podcast, House of Ortandia. What up? How y'all doing? How you doing? How you doing? (laughs) Hi, guys. Uh, Well, first and foremost... Shout out to my beautiful, amazing, strong, smart, brilliant nephew, London. Oh, he just graduated high school. If you've been listening to me for any particular part of time, especially around 2019, you know that my brother passed away um, in 2019. And his son, his youngest son, who is London, graduated high school on last week. And he's headed to Morehouse in the fall. I'm so happy. His sister is at Spelman already. So I'm a Spelman aunt and I'm a Morehouse aunt and I'm super hype. <laughs> and let me tell you, he lives in Oklahoma City, right? And so I had never been to Oklahoma City before. And so when I was, I'm going to tell you about my experience. It was wonderful. So if you're from Oklahoma City and you're listening to this, honey, I'm about to toot your city because it is dope, wonderful, and I would move there in a heartbeat. Let me tell you. Okay. So, so this was my th- thinking about Oklahoma City before I came. I was like, Lord, I'm going to see cows walking up and down the street. Tumbleweed going to be blowing all of which away. I'm going to see cowboys running around there, lassoing stuff. I just had this wild, wild west. <laughs> I thought I was going to the wild, wild west. And my sister, she's really my sister-in-law, but I call her my sister. Her and I have always been close, although... You know, her and my brother haven't been together in forever. You know what I mean? They divorced a decade, over a decade ago. But her and I, have in, while they were married and after their marriage, her and I have always remained close. I call her my sister. And so she is from Oklahoma City, born and raised. And so, you know, she, um, after, you know, things didn't work out with her and my brother, she moved, went back home, took my niece and nephew with her. Um, and raised them in Oklahoma City. And so um, so every time I talk on the phone, I'm like, oh, girl, it's going to be it's gonna be a mess. I'm about to come to the Wild Wild West. She was like, she would be like, sis, we have an NBA team here. Like, this is the city. It's, she, and she would say that, and in, in my mind, I'd be like, I know you lying. Ain't no city in no Oklahoma. Now, mind you, I had never been there, but I'm talking big jump. So I get there. Get to the airport. Um, she comes and get me. It's hot. I'm talking about like 95 degrees or more. I don't care about the heat because I grew up in Alabama. I know about heat. So I ain't tripping on that. And so, and it's May. So, of course, it's hot in May. So we go. And first thing, she's driving around. I'm like, hold up. I'm seeing big buildings. I'm seeing... I'm seeing, I ain't seeing no dirt roads. I'm seeing street people driving all of, driving crazy, you know, trying to get in front of you. I'm like, okay, all right. So she was like, you know, we're going to take your bag home, drop your bag off, and then we're going to come out. We're going to go downtown. First of all, they got three areas of downtown. I said, you know, it's Bricktown, Midtown, and we were in an area called Sizzle, Scissor Tail. I may not be saying that last part right, but it's like, it's crazy. So the first night she took me to, I think I was in Bricktown. I know I was in Bricktown at one point, Midtown another day. 
I was in the area the first night we got there. So we dropped my stuff off. Me, her, and my nephew, we went to Fuzzy's. Shout out to Fuzzy's. It's a Mexican restaurant downtown. When I tell you the Mexican food, uh, stra- straight up, like authentic, authentic, bomb. And it's, when I tell you it was packed downtown, it's like a canal that takes you, I think we were in Bricktown, a canal that takes you around the area. It was, I think his name is Toby Keith. He has a restaurant like Smack Dab right in front of the the canal, the country singer Toby Keith. Um and it, it was when, it, when I tell you it was so much going on, the cops were out because there was a lot of young people out because it's you know school's out, so you got young teenagers running around being fresh, little girls with crop top, you you know you know little stuff, stuff that we used to do back in the nineties and people used to do in the eighties and seventies and so on and so forth. Same thing applies. School is out, people get hot to try. So it was so many young people out there, and of course where young people are, cops are. But anyway, outside of that, it was. Hack skyscrapers, huge buildings. Um, we were these beautiful bridges that were created, and it we it was just amazing downtown. Then the next time we go, we go to Midtown area, and we're in like the botanical gardens, which is like in the middle of downtown. I'm like, who puts the botanical gardens downtown? When I tell you waterfalls are beautiful. It, they had koi fish in there. I didn't have no bread. I was I didn't know because you know I first of all this is my first time ever going to a botanical gardens. Let's be clear, I've never been to one before, and so and I definitely like I said I didn't expect them expect it to be smack dab in the middle of downtown. It when I tell you breathtaking, it, all of these beautiful koi fish. They were like some were orange, some were blue, some were, one some were like white, like with like specks of blue and orange in them. And they were like right at the surface of the water. So, you know, they're used to being fed. We didn't have no food, no bread, no nothing. And then there's the, let's like a, a amphitheater in the middle of the botanical gardens where they have like events and stuff like that. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful. It was beautiful. And then we walked where the, we walked by the, um, Oklahoma City Thunder Stadium. I was trying to find me a Thunder girl. I was looking for a Thundercat girl. <laughs> Child, and if one of them would have walked down the street, I would have been mute. I would have said not a word. I promise you that. I, first of all, I don't even know the Thunder. It's ever since Russell, West, Russell Westbrook. What's the other one? KD left. I don't know who else plays on there. I don't know the, the people. But, I mean, if you see a six-foot-something tall black man walking towards you, okay, he, he played for the, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, it, it was just, and the sky was lit up. The buildings changed colors. I mean, it's, it's, the same thing happens here in Philly. At night, you the top of the buildings, they do, like, different colors and stuff like that. They do the same thing in Oklahoma City. And then, what else? We went to, um... Oh my gosh. She took me to the east side because y'all know I'm pro-black. So I want to know where the black folk at. Where the black side of town she's, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. She took me to the east, um, northeast Oklahoma City. We went to east side pizza. Shout out to you, east side pizza. This is a black-owned pizza joint. When I tell you the pizza, and it, and the crust is black too. Ooh, melanin. The crust is black. It's like, it's not burnt. It's like activated charcoal, all that good stuff. It's delicious. Light and fluffy. Shout out to you, Jobby Williams. I may not be saying your, your name right. JB or Job. It's J A B E E Williams is the owner. 
he's like a two-time Grammy Award winner. He's like big time, but that's he's from there. And so he wanted to open up his pizza place there. It's amazing. It's fly. And then we went to next door to him is a, a, a coffee shop called Spiked Coffee. It's a coffee bar slash shop. You can get regular coffee like your fraps or whatever, or you can get a coffee cocktail. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to them because they were closed when we came out of the um, uh, Eastside Pizza. And we never did get a chance to go back over there. But the owner of that is the only, I think her name is Brittany. I want to say Williams. It may not be Brittany Hunter, I think. And she's an NBA agent. How dope is that? First black female NBA agent. And um, so she she's from originally from Tulsa and she moved to Oklahoma City. And incidentally, her grandfather had a dry cleaning business out in Tulsa for 56 years. So she comes from a deep, dope um, legacy of black entrepreneurs and the whole Tulsa and Greenwood situation. Um, and what else? What else was over there? Oh, it was a it was a uh, an event space back there. They were closed. It was like a. It was, oh God, we didn't get a chance to see it, but um, we we walked back there. Like, they're like revamping this, the whole Northeast section, and black people are doing it, which is so dope. They're not, you know, oh, they're going to come over here and gentrify our area. No, they're like, we're going to build over here. We're going to we're gonna build, and we're going to make it dope. And it's so fly. I, I was like, it, yeah, it was dope. It was dope. And then we went to, they got so many, like, little, little sections. We went to, um... What was this ice cream place we went to? I can't think of it, but they do like fruit. They do like cereal on the ice cream. So if you say, oh, I want a cup of vanilla, they have all of these fruit. And that's like their thing. I can't think of the name of the place, but the ice cream was dope. Now the ice cream tore my stomach up. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <clears throat> Black people, you know what I'm saying. Because I didn't get the dairy-free one. I'll say it that way. The ice cream was rich and delicious. But they and they do they have everything from fruity pebbles to golden grams, rice krispies, you name it. But that's their thing. Whatever ice cream you want, like I said, they just you said I want that topping, I want that cereal, that cereal, that cereal. I think it was called. Nope, I'm getting ready to say the wrong thing. I don't remember what it was called. But anyway, I still like to say Oklahoma City. You have won my heart, and I look forward to coming back to visit. You know coming back often I make that a part of part of my tra- uh, travel usually when I travel throughout the year I go to Alabama a few times a year and that's usually it now that Oklahoma City and she's been trying to get my sister's been trying to get me to come to Oklahoma City for years and I'll be like Mm-mm, girl ain't nothing down there <laughs> now she ain't gonna be able to get rid of me so I'm gonna incorporate that into my Travel, especially since she is a empty nester now, because like I said, my niece and my nephew all people be in Atlanta in the fall, and so it's like she'd be there by herself. She's a teacher, so she's not like tripping. I mean, she's still <laughs> she's like a second grade teacher, so she's still got a lot of you know a lot of stuff to do, just a lot of stuff to keep her busy. But you know, I she will be in my rotation throughout the year because Oklahoma. I'm telling you. It's a lot of um, redevelopments, a lot of beautiful homes. It's so interracial. I did not expect it to be. It is a red state. Let me say that. Y'all know me, me in politics. It's definitely a red state, which I don't like that. Although they're trying to turn Pennsylvania red, I must say. But a red meaning 
Republican <clears throat> and all that comes with Republican antics. Um, and so they are, you know, no mask this. They were fighting against the mask mandates, that kind of stuff. But outside of politics, it's so interracial. I saw I saw indigenous chop. That was the main reason I wanted to go. If you remember the Trail of Tears, the indigenous folk or First Nation folk were moved from their homes in Florida and Georgia and all that, and they were forced to go to Oklahoma. And so I expected to see a lot of indigenous people, and I saw the most beautiful indigenous people. I had. I, well, first of all, I didn't grow up around indigenous people, so I should say I saw the most beautiful indigenous people ever like in person like up close and in person I was like oh my gosh and I was like next time I come you got to take me to a reservation she was like okay I'll take you to some reservations um because we you know we was trying to celebrate my nephew and you know what I mean and so we didn't really try to you know because it's like a little bit not that far but you know we had a we were on a schedule making sure my nephew felt supported and celebrated and all of that and so, um, it's just, so when I go back, like I said, I'm definitely going to a reservation and I hope to interview that they'll let me interview them and I hope to be able to play it for you guys. That would be dope. The, if, when I go back and I go into a reservation and I, they're, they're willing to let me come into their homes or whatever, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to apologize I'm going to apologize on behalf of this country and what they have done and continue to do to indigenous people. That's going to be the first words out of my mouth. And so, yeah, I, I cannot wait to go back and for her to take. She knows where they are. She was like, oh, yeah, I, I you know, I know where they are. Um, she knew some people. I think her grandma, great grandmother used to live on one. Her great grandmother is like, I think she's like a creek, was like a creek, creek Indian, creek from the creek tribe. I should say that. I hate that word Indian. But. She, she she said she remembers, like, going there as a kid. Um, and so, yeah, she her great-grandmother lived to be 114 years old. Isn't that crazy? But anyway, she said, I know exactly where they are. I'm going, I'm, absolutely, I'll take it. And so, I look forward to that. I look so forward to that. But anyway, Oklahoma City, you have won my heart. Just like when I went to New Orleans a few years ago. I had never been to New Orleans before. I knew New Orleans was a big city, of course, but I didn't expect to fall in love with New Orleans. I just like that. That one time I went to New Orleans, I fall, I've fallen deeply, passionately, madly in love with New Orleans. I will move to New Orleans in a heartbeat. I have fallen madly, deeply, passionately in love with Oklahoma City, and I would definitely move there in a heart. I met some wonderful people. Oh my gosh, I got to meet her her family. I've never met her family. Um, shout out to her mom. Unfortunately, her mom passed away. Um, but I got to meet her cousins and her aunts and uncles and her friends who are amazing. It was just a wonderful, I went, I got to go to her church. Shout out to people's church. You guys are so dope. People, if you're in Oklahoma city, go to people's church. It's like three locations. So you'll be just Google people's church. It's so dope. It's so, I can't just the freedom I felt in there. I can't even explain it. It is un, I don't want to say unmatched, but it's go to people's church. If you haven't, listen, when you visit Oklahoma City, go visit people's church. You're going to come in. It's just so warm. You, when you walk in the door, it's just so warm and welcoming and inviting. They have a coffee shop to the right. 
Um, I mean, I mean a coffee bar to the right and donuts and pastries and it's worship was crazy. I'm mad because I got there a week late because, um, on mother's day, Chandler Moore was, did their worship. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe it. But their worship leader was amazing. No, no shade to him. He is the whole worship team is amazing. The worship team was amazing. The worship was amazing. The pastor was talking about diversity. And when I tell you that church is diverse, all ethnic groups and interracial this and that, I, yeah, it looks just like the city. When I tell you, like I was saying, Oklahoma City is diverse is I've never seen Oklahoma City and New Orleans, the mugs diverse. You'll see black people with white people, indigenous people with Asian people, Asian people with black people. It was so, like Mexican people with white people. It, it was, these are the three groups of people I saw there. Indigenous, white, black, Mexican, Asian, the five people I saw there. And it was, a they were heavy. It wasn't like, oh, it's a sprinkle of Asian people here, sprinkle of black people here, it's a sprinkle of white. No, they were heavy, heavy. And it was just, it was so dope, dope to see. So dope. to see. The church, people's church is the same way. Like the pastor's black, his wife is white. The, uh, the worship leader, he looks Mexican. I could be wrong. He could be an indigenous person. I don't know. But it was dope. I, I, I listen, I can't wait to go back to Oklahoma City so I can go back and visit her church. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, but this podcast, we're going to take a little break. But this podcast is about Oklahoma. This, how many beautiful blacks, all black towns that are remain in Oklahoma to this day. We're going to talk a little bit about them and what I think could happen. Um, and so we're going to take a break. Thank you for listening. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. I'm back. Okay, so there are 13 black towns. There were a number of black towns in Oklahoma, the state. Um, but to this day, currently 2022, there are 13 black towns that remain. And here they are. Let's see. Do I have them? I thought I wrote them down. Yes, I did. Okay. They are Bowley. Bowley is one of the most more famous ones or the more well-known ones. Um, Booker T. Washington had visited Bowley twice and he talked about Bowley, Oklahoma a number of times. Bowley also was like, likened unto Greenwood and Tulsa and Riley and some, and, and Fifth Street in Birmingham. Like it was, uh, it was affluent. Black people were, were, um, self-regulated. Black people were doing their thing. There were banks and doctors and schools and insurance companies and, lumber like they were running shop there and so unfortunately you know things um now Bowley is a shadow of what it was um but man okay let me go through the list look I'm, I'm like oh let me go through the list so Bowley remains Brooksville Oklahoma is a um again these are all black towns um, that remain in Oklahoma to this day. Brooksville, Clearview, Grayson, Langston, Lima, or Lima, L-I-M-A, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, Redbird, 
uh, Rentisville. That's R-E-N-T-I-E-S-V-I-L-L-E. Summit, Taft, Tatum, Tallahassee, and Vernon. And so some of these have very low populations, like a couple of hundred people. Um, I think Bowley, uh, from the from the 2020 um, census, I think they have like maybe 2,000 people. So the range is like that. It's like 100 people in some of these towns to like 2,000 people. And what drew me to them, like they were, um, and it, they're like, they're like impoverished and they need like investments and they need people to come there and build there and rejuvenate the area because these are historical black towns and it's, we don't want them to, we're not going to, our children are not going to learn about them in our textbooks. They're in their textbooks. Please, that's not going to happen. Um, but we, there is a museum in Bowley right now. Actually, it's a traveling museum by the Smithsonian. They were doing something about the black towns in Oklahoma. Um, you have to like go on Smithsonian's website and just put it in Oklahoma black, black towns, I believe. Um, I'm not sure that, that, um, that museum is still in action today. I know it was like a couple of years ago. Um, but I think in some of the, in, I think in Bowley, they are building a museum just to tell of their history, I believe. Um, but this, when I thought, when I learned about them, these black towns, I saw a documentary on PBS about the black towns in Oklahoma, um, probably about four months ago now. And so it just, it came across my mind again. I think when I went to Oklahoma city and going to the East Northeast side and seeing all that beautiful, um, black, um, entrepreneurship and, um, just, you know, doing for self, just building and rebuilding an area that had really been left to, to implode. Um, just re- people taking it upon themselves. Don't re- I'm going to rebuild my t- I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to rebuild a section of the city. So it made me think about the black towns that remain there. And it also made me think about how, you know, how we, we say Atlanta is our Mecca or, um, you know, we hear about black people and shout out to this black family, these black families that bought, I think hundreds of acres of land in Georgia and, you know, and they're rebuilding, they're building a town there. Um, which is dope and amazing, but I, it makes me think about these black towns, about if we were to reinvest in these towns, if we were to go and buy homes there and we renovate them and go and buy another home and another home or go and buy land there, because at some point we all know what this looks like. We're going to have invest, white investors going into these towns to do, to bring production, um, manufacturing plants and all other kinds of things, bringing pollution, water pollution, air pollution, soil pollution, and all this other stuff. So I'm thinking it would be magnificent if you are a, a, a black real estate developer, listen to this podcast, or if you know one, if you are into buying a block, if you're black and you're into buying the block, if you are um, looking to do just to reinvest into black history, black culture, black awesomeness, you know, just I want I want to put in people's minds to think about rebuilding these towns, bringing them back to the luster that they once had. You know, can you imagine um not even about the, the LeBron James or the Beyonce's or the 
or the, the whatever, or the Viola Davis is going into these communities. It would be amazing if they were, were to go and build in these communities. But what if us regular everyday folks were to do the same thing? Like we went and bought 10 acres of land and put four or five homes on that land and then built a store there or built, you know what I mean? Just built a school there. So the kids, you know what I mean? Man, it would be, can you imagine? And then the people moving there, like how people flock to Atlanta. I'm talking about Atlanta can't probably can't even contain any more people. But how people flock to Atlanta, like there are 13 black towns that we can flock to. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we're trying to be separatists, all this kind of stuff. I'm sure people will hear that and be like, oh, she's teaching segregation and blah, 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 blah. Well, whatever. You think whatever you want. I don't care. But I'm teaching that we we can have our own. We can we can have our own and be thriving and living and and it's okay to rebuild your to rebuild a part of your history. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I just I, I if I had the money, baby, I would be. <laughs> it you know I would be I would definitely be in one of them towns buying land, buying property. Trying to reinvest, if you know what I'm saying. Trying to, I, but I, I say I have a platform, this podcast, and so I'm gonna put it out there because I know that there are some investors that, some black investors that listen to me. I know that there are some black developers that listen to me. I know that there are some black educators that listen to me. I know that there are some black physicians and people in the medical field that listen to me that can go out there and build it. Can you imagine if you put an urgent care center in the middle of Clearview, Oklahoma? Uh, built an urgent care facility and then boom now you're helping people to 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 they don't have to drive an hour and a half to a medical facility it's an urgent care center right there can you imagine if um a group of teachers that you they're like you know what the school system is getting crazy we're gonna get together we're gonna go to um Tallahassee Oklahoma and we're gonna build a school and we're, we're gonna teach and you know what I'm can you imagine can you imagine, can you imagine if there were a bunch of black farmers that got together, urban black farmers, and said, you know what, we're going to go to one of these towns, and we're going to buy some land, and we're going to build a farm, and we're going to create a CSA, and we're going to make sure people have access to healthy foods and produce and all that. Can you imagine? You know what I'm saying? How, man, one day before, I, I'm hoping that before I die, before the, before the Lord takes me home, I'm hoping that I can do a tour to all 13 of these cities and to just document what they are. You know, I want to see them now. I want to see them in the middle of their um, rebuilding. And I want to see them when they finish, when they're, you know, when it's fully, like I said, back to the luster that they once were. Um, I'm going to pull up some information about a few of them just to give you. Um, I'm gonna. I talked about Bowley. I'm gonna go into Brooksville, Oklahoma, and see what their history is. Let's see. You know, I'm gonna let my my Google finger work. Oklahoma. Let's see. Uh huh. Oh my gosh! In Brooksville, Oklahoma, the population in 2010, the population was 63 people. 63. Oh, it was 90 people in 2000 at the 2000 census. Oh my gosh. Oh, hold on. 
Okay, Brooksville is only one of 13 still existing in all black towns. Blah, blah, blah. I said that already. Um, let's see. 1912, the name changed to Brooksville. It was originally named after a white doctor who owned much of the surrounding land and who attended the residence there. Wait, wait, I skipped something. Okay. Uh, Southwest of Cumish. Brooksville was established in 1903. Originally, the town was named Sewell, Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L, after a white doctor who owned much of the surrounding land and who attended the, the residence. In 1912, the name changed to Brooksville in honor of the first African-American in the area, A.R. Brooks, a cotton buyer and farmer. His son, W.M. Brooks, became the first postmaster. In 1906, Reverend Jetson White organized St. John's Baptist Church. Soon afterward, the congregation built a church that still exists. White also promoted the town throughout the South, using, I mean, urging African-Americans to settle there. Brooksville had a Santa Fe railroad station, three hotels, two doctors, and two mills. In 1924, with the aid of the Rosenwald Fund, a new school was built, Banneker School. Shout out to Benjamin Banneker. Under management of W.T. McKenzie was a rock building of four large rooms, three, a 300-seat auditorium, a small library, and a well-equipped domestic science room. George L. McLaurin, the first African-American graduate student at the University of Oklahoma taught at that school. After a fire, the original building was replaced by a wooden one that served students until the school closed in 1968. The building then became a community center for the town and stands next to the new city hall. A declining cotton market and the Great Depression made life difficult in Brooksville, as many Oklahoma communities. Most other residents departed but the town survived. It incorporated in October 1972, and the census reported population of 46 and 69 in 1980 and 1990, respectively. At the turn of the 21st century, Brooksville had 90 residents, but by 2010, the number had dropped to 63. Oh my gosh. Oh, that makes me so sad. That makes me so sad. I wanted to live. I want these cities to thrive. I want these cities to thrive. Now, let's look at Taft. Taft is another one. Um, the population was 250 at the 210 census, a decline of 28.4% from 2000. The town began as an all-black town on land allotted to Creek Freedmen. It is named for President William Howard Taft. Oh. Hold on. What did Red Fox do for Taft, Oklahoma? Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Red Fox, he promised Taft, Oklahoma in 1976 $10,000 $10, to build a swimming pool there and to donate two used cars to be used as police cars. But that never happened. The money was never made available to city officials. Oh, that stinks. But like I said, back to my point, I just think it would be beautiful for these towns to, to be like Atlanta. You know, so many brilliant and bright and intelligent black people are moving to Atlanta. Can you imagine if some of them, I'm not saying they got to move from Atlanta, but if some of them took their brilliance and invested it into one of these towns and made these towns as affluent as Atlanta, 
You know what I'm saying? And then we can move. I would let me tell you something. <laughs> I would move to one of these towns. I would I would move to Bromley or Bowley, I mean to say tab. I would move to one of them. It was up and popping and popular. I would move to one of them because I want to be in a safe space. I I like being in black spaces. Um, I prefer to be in black spaces. Um I don't mind interracial spaces as long as it's not a looking down of the other race. Like for instance, if you're an Asian person with a with a with a black person and a, and you're not trying to you don't have a black scent, and then the black person that you're with is not trying to look down their nose like you know look what I got I got me a as long as that's you don't need to degrade your race because you're with another race of person. That's what pisses me off. That's what that's what gets my goat. Um, if you're happy with that person, be then be happy with that person. You don't need to, like I said, you don't need to look down your nose at your race um, because you were a white man or because you were a Mexican man or an Asian man or a white woman or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, like I said, it was beautiful to see, you know what I mean? But like I said, I don't mind. I don't mind being in interracial spaces so much. Like, okay, let me, let me, let me clarify. I don't mind it, but I don't want to all, I don't want to see, but I like to see black love. I like to see black men and black women. It's just beautiful for me to see. If you don't like that, I don't care. I like to see that. That's the first thing I want. I like to see. I like to see black men and black women together in love, especially because it's hard. uh, I'm just going to say it. It's hard to see a dark skinned black man and a dark skinned black woman together. It's beautiful to me. It's like the best opera or put all the operas together together all the orchestras together all the main orchestras together and let them play for me seeing a black beautiful um educated dope black woman with a dark-skinned black woman with a, a bright brilliant dope educated black man together family it's beautiful. It's like opera to me. It's like orchestra to me. You know, it's just beautiful. So, like I said, I prefer, I, I prefer that. You know what I'm saying? I prefer that. I'm just going to keep it real. I prefer that. Um, but I don't mind being in the interracial space. Like I said, as long as you're not trying to talk, talk down to, especially don't talk down to my people. You ain't going to talk down to black people. I don't, yeah, I don't tolerate this. Yeah. You ain't going to disrespect black people. Not in my presence, especially black women. But this is not for me to drag. I'm not going to drag right here. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is an uplifting show. So, um, yeah, but I pref- I do prefer to be in black spaces. I do. And I know when I get to heaven, it's not going to be, you know, we're going to be every tribe, every tongue, every race, every person that we've never, ever seen before. It's going to be the rainbow coalition up in heaven. I know. I get it. I've read my, my Bible, too. Thank you very much, Christian. Um... But nonetheless, I prefer to be here on earth. <laughs> I prefer to be in black spaces. I really do. Um, I prefer to be, to be, let me let me clarify. I prefer to be in black spaces that are uplifting. I don't prefer to be in black spaces where people are tearing one another down, where people are self-degrading, where people are doing self-harm, where people are, I don't, that, that's, that is, that is, um, created behavior. That is learned behavior. Um, I don't, I don't like those kind of black spaces cause they don't, because we come from brilliance, 
because 90% of what we use in society was created by a black man or black woman. So I, I, so when I see, when I hear, oh, this black person shot this black person or this, you know, black man murdered this black woman or these black kids were fighting over here or these black kids were stealing or these black kids use this kind of slang or they talk like that or they're this young girl, um, this young boy impregnated this young girl and now she got five kids and she's 15 and all this kind of, how you gonna have five kids at 15 or 10 years? Uh, you know what I'm saying? She got, you know, this, this young man is out here making all of these babies. You know, when I hear about that kind of stuff, that stuff can't, that stuff is learned. That's not who we are. That's learned behavior. Um, yeah, that's not who black people are. That is not, that's what the media portrays. That's what, unfortunately, rappers perpetuate. Um, they perpetuate what they know. They perpetuate the environment in which they grew up in, which is unfortunate, you know? That's why when I hear people like Mumu Fresh, who is an amazing MC and songstress out of the DMV, I think she's from DC. When I hear people, um, what's my girl, Big Uterus Energy? I can't think of her name. Um, Long Dreads, just a fire MC. When I hear people like her, when I hear um, D Smoke, when I hear these are people that that uplift black people. They up there. There. When I hear even Ace Hood, believe it or not, if you go and go on to YouTube, look, look at me, I'm rambling. But go. I love Ace Hood. This Ace Hood. Now, when he was with We the Best and DJ Khaled and all of that, you know, I like ratchet music too. Listen, I'm a little bit ratchet. I love Jesus and I cuss a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, I I liked old Ace Hood. I did. I liked his music. Woke up in a, you know, new Bugatti, all of that. I'm with all of that. But if you go on his website, his YouTube channel, now he's a whole new man. This First of all, he's a beautiful child. He is a beautiful black man. I'm talking about beautiful chocolate skin locks to his waistline in he is in shape. He he does a lot of working out and weightlifting and all kind of stuff. So he's into that. So he promotes, you know, healthy living, all that kind of stuff, working out, all that. But he's beautiful. Anyway, like if you listen to something, he has a song out right now with um, Killer Mike. Mm. Just go on YouTube and put Ace Hood and Killer Mike. I ain't even going to. The song is fire. The song is fire. It's about our greatness and how they are truly afraid of our of our of our greatness as black people. That's why they white media white media majority media. That's why they go on overdrive to make sure you see the violence that happens in in our communities. They make sure you see. Oh, look at look at what they're doing in their schools. They make sure they that you know. Oh, we don't graduating. Oh, they're not. They're they're pregnant at a young age. Oh, they're violent. Oh, but they're not telling you what's. They're they're not about to go down to um, Prairie View A and M and tell you how many doctors that they produce. They're not about to go to Meharry Medical and tell you how many doctors they produce. They're not about to go to Tuskegee and and show you how many veterinarians come up out of Tuskegee University. They're not about to go to Langston University and tell you how many top educators come out of Langston University. They're not about to go to Alabama A&M and tell you how many scientists come out of, and engineers come out of black, 
come out of these schools and universities. They're not about to go to Morehouse and tell you how many doctors come out of Morehouse. You, they're not going to tell you that. You know, and if they're, they're not going to show you how many um, black farmers are out here creating food systems for black people. Uh, they're not going to show you that. They're not going to show you how many black coffee coffee shops, black coffee, black-owned coffee shops are out here killing the game. Black-owned brewer, coffee brewers and roasters are out here killing the game. They ain't going to show you that. They're not going to show you how many black investors and developers and architects and just all the things. They're not going to show you that because that doesn't that's not going to show you or tell you how brilliant you are. That's not going to help you to change your mindset. I want you, they want you to say, no, we really are violent people. We really are a careless, animalistic group of people. They, and they're going to continue to show that. And unfortunately, they dangle these carrots in front of these rappers' face. And they're like, listen, I'll say whatever you want me to say. You're going to give me a million dollars? You're going to give me two million dollars? Sure. I call a girl a B on the beat. Sure. I, I'll tell her, I'll call her out her name. Sure. I'll tell you how many women I've had sex with in a three minute song. Sure. Cause they don't know. They don't, they don't, they don't know where they came from. They don't know that what's in their DNA. You know what I'm saying? So I, I bid you, I beg you, if you were black, listen, I beg if you're white, listen to this, that go and deep, do a deep dive into our black history. In our current day history, because we're making history right now in 2022, uh, May, what is it, May 24, 2022, we're making history right now. I just listened to a podcast, um, um, there, there is a young lady, I didn't, I don't even drink beer, I didn't even know that brewing was a, a beer brewing was a, a whole thing, and I didn't know that black people, it started in like Nigeria, I, <laughs> child, no clue. So this young lady was she's making a documentary on it's called um This is us this is this is ours too or something like that is the name of the podcast about black beer brewers and black people being in this industry and that they belong in this industry because it came from us. Um now I'm not a proponent of alcohol. I'm thinking in my opinion black people don't need to be nowhere near alcohol, but that's not my call to make. Um you know what I'm saying? So um but yeah, it just, it's just, yeah. And then it's all uh, other couple on this, their next episode is other couple, black couple, a physician. And then the, the wife is in hospitality. They opened a, a coffee shop. It's called Sips Coffee Shop in Miami. It's killing it, killing the game, it's killing the game. You know, shout out to um, uh, Plant Bay in Montgomery, Alabama. It's a black couple. Um, vegan restaurant in Montgomery. The husband is a doctor. No, the husband, the wife is a doctor. The husband is a, as a, is a, um, personal trainer, is a fitness guru right on Dexter Avenue in Montgomery, Alabama, killing the game. So we did get news media. CNN ain't about to, <laughs> ain't about to tell you that we out here killing the culinary hospitality, engineering, science, medicine, Man, I know three PhDs. Shout out to Dr. Bowler. Dr. Bowler is a, has a PhD in African American history. Not just turned forty years old. Shout out to the, the Fada Hebe's, both doctors. One has a doctorate in education. The other one has a doctorate of pharmacy. Like, I like 
Ain't nobody running to interview them. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we're out here doing big things. Shout out to my niece. I have a niece that just got her master's degree in education from University of North Carolina uh, two weeks ago. Shout out to you, Crystal. I love you, baby. You're like, come on, man. I say all that to say we dope, we brilliant, and don't let nobody, don't let nobody, don't let nobody try to tell you who you are. I know violent stuff is happening to us. I know we, we them, pe- them people walked into that Topps grocery store in Buffalo and they thought they were going to go home into this white, stink, nasty, demonic monster walked his butt up in there and murdered these people. These people were in their 70s, their 80s, their 50s, and he murdered these people because he is a total, complete demon, period. I know that that's happening to us. I know this young lady walked into a gas station. I forgot where it was. And this white man walked up to her. And this is like the last two weeks. Walked into a gas station trying to pay for her gas. And he, this white man walked up to her and told her she needed to go back to her country and start swinging on her. Like punching her in her face. Nobody jumped in to help her. They filming, people laughing. Nobody helped her. And so I know these kinds of things are happening. And it make you feel like, God, dog, we can, we are under attack. Yeah, we've been under attack in this country for 400 years. But you hold your head up and your shoulders back. And you get armed. You become 2A, Second Amendment um, enforcers. You, you have a Second Amendment right just like all these other NRA and white people out here carrying and touting that they're 2A members and they support the Second Amendment. Well, we black people got a right. This ain't, the, this baby, this ain't Jim Crow. We got a right to bear arms too. So, whew, I digress. I digress. Because this is a happy moment. I love black people. I love black people. I love black people. I love to see us in our greatness, our excellence, our magnificence. And when I see us otherwise, it hurts my heart. It breaks my heart. I want to shake them sometimes, you know. I want to smack some of us sometimes. But then when you don't know, you don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised to learn my black history. I wasn't, I wasn't, I I wasn't. I I came to this in my 40s. I came to this in my mid, the middle of my 40s, like 45, 46, I'm 48 now. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You hold your head up, black woman. You hold your head up, black man. You hold your head up, black child. And you put your shoulders back and your chest out. And you walk. You walk. Everywhere your foot touch, you belong to be there. Every space you take up, you you deserve to take it up. Don't let nobody silence your voice. And you center your mental well-being every day of your life. Wherever there's toxicity, leave. Period. Check who you need to check. If people are bringing toxicity in your space and you can't leave, check those people. If it's mama, if it's daddy, if it's church member, if it's co-worker, if it's... uh, Check them. Hey, hey, hey. Ho, ho, ho. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't do toxicity. However you need to say it. I don't do toxicity. Take that ish somewhere else. Straight up. We gotta. We have a right to be live at peace like everybody else. So, like I said, center your mental well-being every day of your life. You deserve it. Make sure you give yourself self-compassion. Just like you give everybody else compassion. Make sure you give yourself compassion 
first. Whatever you did wrong, forgive yourself. Whatever you didn't do, forgive yourself. Let it go. And like, listen, listen. The one that, the one person that will accept you no matter what, no matter what, he will have your back no matter what. And his name is Jesus Christ. He will, I promise you on everything I love, Jesus Christ will have your back no matter what. There's only one way to be in relationship with him. You can't just do it because you just decide you want to be in a relationship. You have to say, you know what? Jesus, I know you were here on earth. I know you took the punishment that I deserve. I know that there's no way that God can accept me without you. I trust that you make me acceptable to God. And I trust that you got my back come hell or high water. And I trust that you'll show me how to walk this thing out, this life thing called life. You'll show me how to walk it out every day. When I fall, you'll still get up. When I'm tired, too tired to go, and I just sit down after I fall and I just be ready to give up, I know that you'll carry me until I can walk myself. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's no one that'll have your back like Jesus. Nobody. And I don't care what... I know it's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the church. You see it on the news all the time. I know. I know. I'm not I'm I'm not the perfect Christian. You know, I'm probably the worst Christian you <laughs> So, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? If I'm the worst Christian in the eyes of man, I don't care. Jesus died for my sins. And he will never ever leave me, abandon me, reject me or cast me aside. So don't think, oh, I need to get myself together. Oh, I need to, man, forget all that junk. Just be like, Jesus, man, man, come and get me right now. <laughs> be in a relationship with me right now. Like straight up. And he going to have your back. He going to have your back. Everybody in your life might turn their back on you. Especially when you're in, into a relationship with Jesus, everybody in your life may turn it back on you. It's going to hurt like hell, trust me. But Jesus is going to have your back. He's going to have your back. Even the people that's supposed to be down with you. Even, even man, even some other Christians, they're going to hurt you too. They're going to scar you. And you're going to scar them. It's just we people. That's, that's all. We're just peopling. That's all we're doing. But Jesus will never scar you, man. He ain't help me. <sighs> man, I, I love y'all for listening to me. I love y'all for tuning in. I love y'all for subscribing. I love y'all for looking out, man. And like I always say, I want to see you in heaven with me. And I'm out. <laughs>